Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Are you guys dead? No. We're going to win the series. We're going to win one Tuesday, and the next game's Thursday. We'll win there, then we'll come back and we'll win the series on Sunday. And everybody will say what a great series it was. What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. How we doing, folks? And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, the OG Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys by the fans. That is us. As always, intro and outro music is provided by Park and Main. Check them out over at parkandmainband.com. Give us a follow on Twitter. I'm at so says Jay Paul. At Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. And we are available on all pod forms, podcasting platforms, and also on brightsideofthesun.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Okay. Okay. First of all, before we start, I'm going to say that we have a special guest with us today. Everybody's favorite, I'm going to say this, everybody's favorite Phoenix Suns announcer, John Bloom. Bloomer, what's up, buddy? How you guys doing? I think I'm the, just the favorite on the pod farms. I think that's where I might be the favorite, only because I was there when that word was birthed. <laughs> I feel like I believe you are a, a part owner of that trademark uh, by law. I'm, I'm quite certain. <laughs> did we get it? Did we get it through? Did we get the TM on that already? You may still work, work quickly, still, you attorneys. Still working on it. Still working on the federal it. Federal government's you know, pretty slow right now. It's an effect yes. there. Yeah, the government's <laughs> slow now as opposed to other times when the government Slower. operates at an efficient rate. Um, okay, not a, not a politics podcast. Okay. Let's talk about the Suns because, Paul, I, I tweeted this, I think, yesterday, the day before. This is literally the podcast we have been waiting to do, the episode <laughs> we have been waiting to do for four years. Pretty much, yeah. We have we have been the podcast of optimism through Josh Jackson, through Dragon Bender, through Marquise Chris, through Earl Watson. And, and now we have a team that is, in case you're listening – and don't know this, which would be really dumbfounding because why would you listen to a Suns podcast? But the Suns are what's that record, Paul? Five and one. And and Bloom, what what is that? What what place does that put them in amongst all teams in the NBA right now? I think if the playoffs were to happen right now, they would be the one seed. Am I mistaken to saying that somebody is using that for their Twitter handle right now? Are they not one seed? Yeah, somebody is, and I feel like it's uh, it's somebody who's been called out for outlandish takes on the Suns before, but he he seems to be right. Uh, uh, you know, at Savor least in it. the last last couple. So, Justin, uh, I, um, can you uh, pick the lottery numbers? Right. Um, we'll split it. <laughs> my 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 predictions are limited to Phoenix Suns. 
Unfortunately. <laughs> but maybe we should put a bet so in Vegas. <laughs> That's that that would be a good idea if uh, I've been to Vegas in the past, I don't know, year since since Summer League of 19. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if what uh, it took was uh, if what it took was sacrificing our Las Vegas escapades at Summer League to reap the benefits that this team seems to be reaping for Planet Orange and those of us who inhabit that planet, then I'm all for it. I'm all for at least one year of sacrificing that. Let's hope it's back next summer. Uh, you know, it is. It's a nice, fun tradition for us. Uh, and now it can be more fun of just being there uh, for Vegas and for all that and not really for looking at, uh, you know, what the, the Suns Our are going to roll out. Our new super stud rookie. Well, yeah, they, they might have a, a stud rookie, but, you know, there were several years where we were watching, you know, half the starting lineup play down in Vegas. And that's not true. what you want. Yeah, you don't want that. I, I think the first year, Paul, that we went to Summer League was the year that Booker actually played in it for like one half, if I recall that correctly. Yeah, it was, the, was it Josh Jackson year? Yeah. I think it was the first jo- year we went. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he went and dominated. That was 2016, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he dominated for like a half. He was the best player in the Clearly. world on that court by far, right? And, uh, and said, okay, that's enough. You know, and I, I didn't think about it like that, though, that if this trend continues, yeah, we can go to summer league and not really sit there and go, OK, let's see the three past years of Suns draft picks and how they're developing and more be there to see maybe a little bit of basketball if we're so inclined. That's I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that day. I absolutely <laughs> whenever that happens. But for the time being, the Vegas trip's not uh, happening is uh, at least, you know, helping out the the old bank account, right? So that, that's yeah. a good thing. That's true. But, you know, it'll leave more time to go golfing with EJ. There you go. Hey. Right? Which is, which, which is always a good thing. Which is always yeah. a good thing. We've got to line that up in Vegas so that uh, Paul can hear the the story about EJ's uh, neighbor's dog that that's on the, uh, you know, on tap at some point. And it would be even better if it happened on a golf course. Cause it's just, you know, a lot of time for that kind of thing. Golf that's course. a golf course kind of story. I was just going to say that, man. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I am horrendous. Justin can attest. This. It really doesn't matter. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, keep my my thoughts to myself on that one okay so so okay let's let's talk about let's talk about the suns here and, and i'm since we're doing this on the fly bloomer literally like flying like down a road right now as he's doing this i'm gonna of course make him Speed talk limit. first i'm gonna give just a nice broad stroke question to start off because i feel like this is how we should start off but how are you feeling bloomer how are you feeling about this man especially being a guy who literally is that one of the few people in Arizona who actually gets to witness these games in one way, shape or form in person. And also as somebody who, when he's not witnessing them in person is having to call them, having the, what I'll call now a privilege to call those games, man. How are you feeling about everything? How are you feeling about the squad? Oh man. I, I just uh, like, I have so much energy that, uh, you know, running through my body and my mind right now about the way this team is playing. And I think, you know, the I, the opportunity to call the games is 
100% a privilege, by the way. I will echo uh, that sentiment. And I'm thrilled to be able to do that and call the road games with Tim Kempton, even though we're not at the games. I mean, that's a bit of a drag. Uh, it's a little weird and bizarre to, to go into a conference room that's brand new with the white walls and just a table and some chairs and a couple monitors. And uh, But, you know, everything is set up for us to do uh, it the best way we can. And, you know, obviously I'm going in prepared just like I would for any game uh, and uh, being a part of the broadcast is still just as much of a thrill as it was the first day I got to to do it for the Suns you know 13 14 years ago so uh, that part is great uh, but the fact that the team is winning makes everything so much better and then to to see them do so in a way that we can all look at and say is this sustainable like is this team really going to be good and contending for a top spot in the Western Conference. And and I'm starting to think that they can based on how they're winning these games and who they're beating. Now, the one thing I'll caution is it's early, and so everybody's kind of coming together right now, right? Everybody's figuring it out, and, and there are going to be teams that are going to do that at a more accelerated pace than others uh, based, I think, a lot on who their core returning group is. Uh, but now... To, to look at the way the sun started this uh, to me is just so invigorating because we haven't even seen close to the best product. And I'm talking offense mostly here, but I believe, and you guys tell me what you think. Uh, I believe that we haven't seen anywhere near, you know, a top end Devin Booker. We haven't seen anywhere near a top end Chris Paul. We haven't seen anywhere near a top end DeAndre Ayton. Uh, you know, who, can I go on? I think we've seen <laughs> glimpses of the, of the, of the best uh, uh, that maybe Mikhail might be, but maybe not. Uh, because he's been off the charts defensively, which we all expect, but then he's added just another layer of offense. And I think now we're at a point where that's something that we can expect with him because he's doing that annually, just like Devin Booker has been getting better every year, unbelievably. And now there's going to be people who look at the numbers only and say, oh, D Book's struggling. I mean, he's barely giving you 20 a game right now whatever they're five and one you think he cares that he's not giving them 30 a game i think he's no, fine with no, this sir. yeah i think he's just fine with the, looking at the standings and seeing phoenix at the absolute top and everybody else below i think he'd like to have that remain the case for as long as possible uh and the way it, it does that is uh you know them continuing on the path that they've already kind of laid down with this foundation. Uh, so exciting. I know that's a long answer for you, Justin. I know you probably expected it too, but in the end now, now I'm parked. I can go all night. Uh, I don't even have to look at the road anymore. Uh, and I'll just sit in the garage and, and talk sons with you. Why not? Dude, I love it. I, I, and you know what? I, I think you hit the nail. Well, you had multiple nails on multiple heads right there, man, because yeah, there are going to be teams. Teams are still meshing together, right? It is early. But at the same time, the thought that comes into my head immediately is the Suns have just as much of an excuse, quote unquote, if you will, to have potential struggles early in the season because they have to go through the same process. Sure, they have some guys that are returning, but you look at it, you've got an entirely new point guard. And granted, it's the point god, and he knows how to run offenses, and he's been around the league for a long time. That's going to give the leg up. But think about the bench. I mean, looking back at at least the the early games, especially without Dario in, we've got pretty much an entirely new bench. Uh, the, it's not like we're we have eight nine guys returning from the team last year who played roles. We have far less than that, and we're still seeing them 
come together as a unit and play well. And and the fact that uh, that you brought up that we haven't seen Booker playing to what we expect Booker to play at. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's averaging like 20 points a game, but that's not what we expect out of Booker. Um, his The stats show he's really not that far off outside of taking less shots. But the fact that we aren't seeing what we can see out of Booker at his maximum, out of Chris Paul at his maximum, at D, out of DA at his maximum, yet they're beating teams and they're beating good teams. They're beating teams that made the playoffs last year um, is, is, is huge, especially looking at that game last night. Let's look at that Denver game last night, man. The second end of a back-to-back playing both games against playoff teams from last season, one of whom made the Western Conference Finals and playing at altitude both games early in a season when you didn't have a long uh, you know, preseason training camp for players to really get, get up to speed and get their wind and everything. And you saw it starting to affect them, I think, towards the end. When the lead started slipping, that end of the third quarter was, was insanely bad. But that's a team that last year, year before that, year before that, that's, that's an easy five, 10-point loss because things started slipping away. And they hung on at the end and, and pulled it out. And we see Chris Paul doing what Chris Paul does and making that dagger shot towards the end there. And, you know, credit to the Nuggets for fighting and clawing their way back into that. But at the end of the day, that's a game that easily could have been, easily would have been a loss in the past. And in fact, if they would have lost that game last night, me being who I am would have been like, well, you've got all these reasons why they, they gassed out at the end, but they didn't, they won that game. And dude, I'm so I'm stoked because again, with the guys, not guys that we expect to come in and just dominate off the bat, not doing that, but them still winning shows that we have. And I've, I've, I've tweeted this a lot. I'm probably going to do this all season. We've got a team. We actually have a team. Mm-hmm. We have a group of guys who just want to win games and who are winning games. And we're seeing that through their performance. I mean, the only person I would say is looked like he's pressed a little bit at any point at all is Booker. And that's just the way Booker is though. I mean, he's going to take his shots and he's still not taking as many shots as he, you know, took in past seasons. So ultimately we've got a group of guys where even if somebody's not performing as highly as they can, or at the level that they can, we've got dudes that are going to, that have the capability of stepping up. Look at Langston Galloway it just comes in. He's like, okay, you're going to give me nine, 10 minutes. I'll give you nine or 10 points. Uh, you've got Cam Johnson who has had huge flashes um, so far this year. And then he's had games where he's kind of, you know, been more, more on the side. And you haven't really seen much out of him, but you see his game expanding. There's just so many ways that this team can beat you. And the defense, oh, the defense, number one scoring defense in the NBA. When have we ever said that about the Suns? I know it's a new new day uh, for us uh, watching this team because we have to adjust our expectations from that standpoint. Uh, you know, being used to running teams off the floor offensively and and the numbers being off the charts from that standpoint. I expect them to get better offensively. It's hard to expect them to get better defensively right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, maybe they can, and and I think their expectation is that they will get better uh, and, defensively. And- yeah. And you know, what's wild. And Paul, I'll let you talk at some point here. Um, <laughs> at some point. Oh yeah. 
hey, being on a podcast with uh, me and John Bloom, probably not best <laughs> for that third guy. Um, <laughs> I'm fine maybe, with that. I'm just well, next time, I'm next time we'll have... Guy. What are you talking about? In this room, I'm the third guy. It's not, it's, it's not <laughs> You're also the guest. We, we highlight our guests. Next next time we'll next time we'll have Bloom and Flex on, and then Paul, you can just sit there literally in the corner the entire time. It's going to be so. Great. Can you, Justin? Yeah, I'll join you at that point. But <laughs> but to to the point of their offense, the one thing I was going to say was their offensive rating this year is is really not that far off from where it was last year. Their offensive rating last year was one eleven point seven. This year it's one eleven point four. Their mm-hmm. defensive rating, as you mentioned, is completely different. Obviously, I mean their defensive rating is ten points better. Uh, it's it's nuts but paul general thoughts so far on the i'm not even gonna say general thoughts i'm gonna just say now is your turn to to throw your just psychotic level of enthusiasm out there man and don't well, yeah, don't I you mean, dare don't you dare bring this pod down right now i'm so happy i'm gonna go for like a 10 mile run after this now all right i will do my best a 10 mile run that, that that'll be that'll be a little rough I'll call you in, I'll call you in four you. days when I'm done. <laughs> but yeah, this is, um, I mean, it's just been, it's been fun to have basketball back just in general. And it's been such, as you guys have mentioned, it's been a very upside down kind of season. I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers are four and two. I mean, I was actually turned on the end of that game rooting for the Cavs. And so, um, you know, just watching the Suns be five and one, but like you guys said, I mean, it's, they're doing it and they're not, it's not be, it's not fluky. It's, you know, they are, you know, they are doing, they are under control, which is crazy when you think about it from the standpoint of, you know, they did have some significant changes this year. You know, we haven't even really mentioned Jay Crowder taking over that power forward spot. You know, he started off kind of slow, which, you know, is to be expected since he didn't really get preseason because he had whatever that personal issue was that kind of, he didn't really start getting into practice or getting into like preseason games until very near the end there. But I mean, he, he led the team in scoring that one game. Like I was like, Oh, are we going to have the team record for threes in a, in a, in a game as well as the individual record for threes in a game broken in the same night, you know, that, that would be crazy, but obviously that didn't happen, but he was on fire for that like first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, campaign has been, you know, that, you know, the, the point guard struggles this team has had since the three-headed Hydra of Dragic, Bledsoe, and Isaiah Thomas blew up, kind of started our the downfall of the, the Suns um, has been immense. You know, we finally had figured out the, the starting point guard position last year with Rubio, and, you know, we upgraded that. And then, but on top of that, you know, we actually have, have a legit, you know, backup point guard. And I know, like, you know, Justin and I both were big fans of, Halliburton coming into the draft and you know we we're kind of a little sad when we passed on him and he uh when he came up but at the same time you know the Suns knew what they had know what they have in campaign and they're letting him him run the show in those bench units and I mean dude boxed out Zion and won dude boxed <laughs> did he box out Jokic, Jokic too he boxed out somebody it was either last night is either in the Utah game or is in the Go Denver there. game is somebody and it's like I'm like it was go bear. The court. It was go bear. <laughs> I remember that because any anytime something uh even like moderately weird happens to go bear, I like to bring it up. Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what happens I mean, when you bully kids, it just doesn't pay. It doesn't. <laughs> you you really can't um find a you know a down spot on this team at all. I mean, I think I sent a 
Justin and I and a couple other guys have a group, uh, like I had a son's group chat going. And I sent a re- an article out uh, yesterday from Bleacher Report where they're like the 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 one move each team or like the one problem each team needs to solve. And you know, I'm like, I'm like, I really like what what they're talking about the Suns here. And like Justin's like, if they say anything other than nothing, this this article's a waste. And I was like, just read it. And and then the article was like, I can't really think of anything right now. You know, there's some stuff that maybe, but not really. They're doing yeah. great. They're five and one. Every like they're twelve deep, and that's not that's even without really seeing Jalen Smith much. I mean, he played a little bit in the first couple games, but he's been out with a ankle injury. And who knows if Nader can do anything? I mean, he's been in concussion protocol forever. I mean, you know, I know concussions can suck and can linger. Seems a little long for that, but at the same time, you know, it's not like we're needing the body. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, Langston Galloway, I mean, I'm definitely at Expo and I are selling property on Langston Lagoon, like nobody's business. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm that, that price, the, the real estate market there has gone through the roof. It's like Phoenix's right now, you know, I jumped anything, in early. I got a nice <laughs> condo with an infinity pool, you know, that leads right into the lagoon. I got one early from I'm, us. I'm sitting on a compound for of like, you know, like 1700 acres with, I got, <laughs> you know, it's beachfront property with cows and camels and emu. Nice. You went in big. And by the way, I know why Paul, that you're cheering for Cleveland. It's because you're on board this whole sex land. Oh, oh yeah. Backcourt, backcourt, right. Isn't that what they're calling their backcourt yep. now? Sex land. Cause of uh, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. It's sex land. It's gets catchy. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised the NBA's letting them run with it, but they are. <laughs> ESPN's running with it. Like, that is headlines. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of glad it's not here in Phoenix. It'd be a little awkward with Tim Kempton on the radio trying to do it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, it works for Cleveland. You know, they'll, 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 they'll roll with it. Uh, yeah, it's it's been fun. <laughs> Did you not know it was called Sexland, Justin? I had not I had not heard that. And I Welcome to Sexland. It. I don't know why it just that that remind me. Did you guys ever see the uh, that the the hastily made Cleveland tourist video? Yes. Or Cleveland tourism video. It just that's what that's what popped in my head. I'm like <laughs> something else to add into that at the end. How they're like at least we're not Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense for them to with sex land, man. I hey, wow. lay off the D, man. You know, you know, I got yeah. I got Detroit in my blood. Lay off the D. I didn't say yeah. it, dude. The, the okay. hastily made Cleveland, the Cleveland tourism video. <laughs> yeah, Cleveland tourism bureau lay off the deep. <laughs> oh man. The uh, other thing though is, I mean, obviously, Bloom, you've probably looked at it, the schedule from the standpoint of which games you're going to be the one calling. Yeah. Um, they've got a pretty solid schedule coming up where we could be sitting on a really solid record by the end of January, like really solid. And, you know, that just makes it like so much, like just looking forward at the schedule. Okay. Win, win, maybe win, win, win. Right. Could be feisty, but you know, I, you know, I, I was listening to coast to coast, uh, on my run today and they were talking they're like 17 and four you know by the end of january which i don't see as unrealistic no that was dan Dan, he's a pessimistic one he's a pessimist 
He has talked games into losses. We have been with him in games, and he has talked them into a loss. Okay, that has, that that. has I happened. Can, I can see that happening, but at the same time, uh, there's there. I've talked to him, and I remember before a season, and he was he was pretty high. He went with a big number of wins in his prediction. So yeah, I, think I bet I bet him this that. position on yeah. this podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so here's the thing with you know getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. I don't want to do it. I don't oh, want to do. Uh, and it's, you know, we have to do it on a podcast cause you got to fill the time and I get it. We have uh, a podcast of optimism. And I love it. And I fit, I fit like a glove. Cause I've always, yeah, you're way more optimistic than us. I, right. That's so <laughs> weird. Uh, it's like, you know, you, you, how would you make a blockbuster brighter than it was? Uh, you somehow, I don't even know if it was you put ever the rock in it. They were so bright, weren't they? Uh, people don't remember going into blockbusters. I just wanted to bring that up for people. Who don't. <laughs> I worked at a blockbuster. Did you really? And you still have vision? You're not even wearing glasses? Wow. <laughs> I have great vision. Great That's vision. Amazing. Those places wore, are blinding. He wore sunglasses to work every every yeah. day. I That's did, yes. Did. You have to. Uh, anyway, uh, back to the Suns. Um, what I, why I don't like getting ahead is because it is so pleasurable to be in the now, right this now. True. With this team. And so the reason I say that is like, Tomorrow night, uh, we're recording this on Saturday night. Tomorrow night's the next game. I can't wait. They're playing yeah. the Clippers, and I think like they're gonna beat them. Like I just have, I just feel like they're gonna go beat the Clippers again. Like it, last year when they beat the Clippers was the biggest thing of all time because we never thought they would beat the Clippers. Now I'm sitting here a year later going, they're gonna beat the Clippers, and the Clippers still have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and a bunch of other good players, by the way. And now they're not as good as they were last year. And and I think that uh, you could say that by an, about a number of teams. Uh, in the Western Conference, uh, just by looking at them maybe through the first couple of weeks. But I don't think that's fair. Like we said before, I think it's going to take 20 games, a good 20 games, before we really get a landscape in the NBA, oh, meaning yeah. which, which teams are good and, and can contend, which teams are not going to smell the playoffs, and then where's the rest of the group, right? And where in the past we We've looked at that through 20 games and we've said, okay, the Suns are in that big mishmash. Maybe they've got a chance to get contempt for the playoffs. And then there's been a bunch of years where they've been in the bottom and we've said they've got no chance. Uh, Now I feel like after 20 games, they should, I'm not going to say 16 and four or whatever Daniel and and Flex want to throw out there, but (laughs) I, I do believe they'll be well over 500. And we will yeah. be saying this is a playoff team, just like Justin told us it was months ago. Thank, right, thank you, Bloom. Thank yes. you. Thank right. you. I mean, even still, I mean, the, the West is still so deep. I mean, you know, it's like you said, it, there's some teams that are still having like shaking some stuff out. I mean, the Nuggets are only one and four. They're they're a good team. They mm-hmm. have some good players. That's not going to last. I don't know why. They're struggling. I mean, it's it's defense, but yeah, um, you know they apparently really miss Jeremy Grant. They do, but um, you know they'll figure it out. I don't know about Golden State. You know, maybe if some guys start hitting shots over there, um, you know Minnesota. If, be, if Kelly Oubre shoots better than five percent from three point four, range, you mean? Four now. My bad. He's down to four. Yeah, it's down just it's a it's a wreck. I mean, you it know, is. Yeah, Memphis is probably guy. out of it at this point. Just because, you know, it's with a shortened season and Morant's out for weeks, you know, they're kind of tough. Oklahoma City's not even trying. Um, but everybody else, I mean, man, 
everybody else can be competitive on any given night and take a win on any given night, you know? So, but how how about this? Remember, remember last season. And I think this kind of goes to what we were talking bloom. I think you mentioned like, is this sustainable? Well, you know, last season came out even after DA got suspended seven and four, I think they were. Right. And, and obviously five and one better than seven and four percentage wise. Right. But that okay. didn't feel like real. Last it felt that, that didn't that didn't feel sustainable. Just, this feels guys sustainable. Were all playing over their skis, you know. Everybody was, uh, as they say, out kicking their coverage on that team. Not everybody, but a vast majority of guys were doing things that they hadn't shown a propensity to do. Can I speak some legalese for you, Justin, for a second? <laughs> I think that's exactly how you need to lay it out. Right now, you're looking at this, you know, and you're saying, "Oh yeah." You know, I could see them doing this. They're kind of all sliding into these roles that are realistic. Like they're all Mm -hmm. like, yes, you have two bona fide closers who will absolutely step on the throat when they need to at the end of games. You've got Chris Paul has been doing it for a decade and a half in the league. And you've got Devin Booker, who's been doing it for a half decade and has proven that he can get it done at the end. So you've got that like two headed monster. The teams just have to be clenching up. When it's a close game, who do you get tight on? Who do you double? Good luck with that because yeah. you're going to lose. I mean, that just is the way they have to feel right now in that huddle. So that's a weapon that we're not, you know, that's at the end of close games. Hopefully there isn't even that many close games because this team could get better than what they are now and they could get significantly better than what they are now. I think at 11 games last year, we're looking at it going, man, I hope this continues. This is fun. I really hope this continues. These guys are playing great. And it's all a hope thing. This isn't to me a hope thing for people who know basketball. They're looking at this going, man, this is almost an expectation thing at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and like, like last year, the the first guy that pops into my head, Aaron Baines, he was shooting like, I don't know, like 96% from three point range or something. ridiculous. Yeah. 102%. Yeah. That sounds more accurate. I mean, that's what it, that's certainly what it felt like. And and yeah, like you said, like there aren't guys playing out of their minds right now. In fact, I would say I watching games, I feel like I I've only had maybe a couple quarters this year where I was like, yeah, that was a good like full full uh um uh, what I'm looking for. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. It was like that was a well-rounded uh 48 minutes even well-rounded quarter even. Uh, you look at the games. Yes. You look at the game yesterday. I mean, the first quarter they came out flat. We're down eight early second quarter. That was a good quarter. Third quarter started looking good. Then Jokic goes out and I'm sitting there going, okay, step in the throats and they turn the ball over their last five possessions and go into the fourth quarter with what, like a 10 point lead or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lose the lead in the fourth quarter and still pull it out. How about that? How about that shot by book that three pointer at the end when he got stripped of the ball I thought it was going out of bounds. He grabs it and he just buries that three. Oh, he, 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 he's, he's, he's a killer right now. And yep. I joked the other day, I'm like, I feel like Booker, he's missing all these free throws because he's trying to keep the game closer. So he can just rip out some hearts at the end. That's, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's that savage as my kids would say. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if, if, he, if he's missing free throws on purpose. I hope not. Uh, and, and it is surprising. That's the, that's the one thing that you're looking at going, wait, he's already missed. It feels like he's missed as many this year as he did all last year yeah. already. Uh, but he'll, he'll get it going. I'm not, I'm not worried about that, Paul. I'm sure you're not worried about that either. No, I mean, it's crazy. Um, somebody posted on Twitter. I wish I could remember who, but like, 
is probably Mike V Hill. Cause this is the kind of stat that he would post. Um, and it was about Booker still in like top eight of like made shots in the season. And it's like, how, you know, he hasn't had a good start to the season and he's top eight in made shots. So like, what does that say about like all the other guys who are like, you know, those kind of volume scores that like book is. So, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll round it out. I mean, you know, I think to your point, like, you know, some of these guys, maybe they're not playing over their heads, but they, you know, they will regress to the mean to an extent. I mean, Bridges isn't going to shoot a hundred percent from the line all season, you know, him, no. him and cam and cam probably aren't going to shoot over 50% from three all season. But at the same time, you know, book's going to pick it up. Um, CP three is going to pick it up. You know, those guys are going to, you know, have both, you know, not that they're struggling per se, but they're not, you know, playing out of this world. Like they, they can, you know, and even still, I think, but at the end of the day, you know, we're winning on defense, which is, you know, so much more sustainable because that's just effort at the end of the day, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, there's a, there's a luck factor that goes into like shot making, whereas, you know, defense is just hustle. And, you know, you, we've got some dogs out there between from like CP three to Crowder to um, bridges to, to, uh, Carter. Well, I, think, I, I, I blanked on Carter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Javon, the Bulldog, and, and campaigns playing great defense. Campaigns so, playing great defense. So is Cam Johnson. And you know what? The guy that I think deserves the lion's share of the credit for the Suns being where they are defensively is the guy that gets the most hate on all the podcasts. And it, not this not one. A, not a, not nope, this one, nope, baby. Nope, 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 nope. nope. hate on Fanning the Flames. Uh, he gets a hate on other places, not just podcasts. I'm talking in general. Suns Twitter, you know, Reddit, all the places that you go if you're a fan. Uh, and, and it's, and look, I get it. He's the number one overall pick. You have expectations for the man. I get it. It's okay for you to expect big things for the big guy, but, uh, doing big things. They're just not take in the box. Second. Yeah. Take a second and look and see who's anchoring this defense. Take a minute and, and credit the man because you might be pissed. He's not dunking all over everybody and he's not getting 30 and 20, but the guy deserves some credit for the way this team is playing because they're playing as a team and you don't play team defense without an anchor and a guy who can protect the rim and a guy who can call out what he sees when he sees it. So the other guys can be ready to do what they need to do. And Deandre Ayton's getting better at that. I'm not saying he's a maestro yet. I'm not saying that this guy is the second. Not unreasonable though. Yo, he's not the Kembe. All right. I'm not telling, I'm not saying that he is. <laughs> By the way, he's a, a 100% better offensive player than the Kembe ever was. But we're just going to talk about defense, uh, which is where his mind is right now, too. And I love that. He's talking when he's getting interviewed in the locker zoom. He goes to defense first. He talks about protecting the rim. He talks about switching on to guards and being able to stay with little guys and how exciting that makes him. He gets fired up defending on the perimeter. What big guy who was picked number one overall? in the NBA has ever talked about how jacked up they get guarding guards on the perimeter, but this is who we have here. And so use that and see if he can really do it the way he, ta- I know he talks differently than he does and that's okay. He's a young man. I did that too. I probably still do, but it's, the, you know, regardless <laughs> he is, he's, he's got the goofiness to him and, and I'm fine with that because I also see him developing. You know, if you're really watching, you see him developing and he's going to get better. And he's, if he, if he stays with, this mindset of I'm the anchor, I'm the guy who's going to help us stop the other team from scoring. Oh my 
gosh, is that awesome to have as a basketball team, a guy with that kind of skill who's willing to embrace that mentality. Right. Absolutely. I mean, Go ahead, Paul. You got to remember um, that his rookie year, that was like his biggest failing was defense. And to see that it's literally the uh, 100, 180 degrees from, from where he was that first year and to do it in three years. And you're right. He does not get credit for how much he has improved there. It's talked about in passing, but because it can't be easily quantified the way like the offensive stats are. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not being noticed as much. And, and even still with that, the stats that can be quantified, I mean, granted, he's an, he's an amazing rebounder. He's really like both offensive and defensively, but like, you know, rebounds, blocks, steals, you know, they don't put how many shots he has affected altered, altered in the, in that box score that he may have not physically touched, but you know, they didn't take it, get to take a great shot because of it. There's, you know, hand in the face, you know, or whatnot, or just, you know, he disrupted a passing lane, just smothered a dude. I mean, watching him on a couple of those, like where a guard would think, think they'd have a space. And then he's just like, Nope, you're in darkness. You are not <laughs> being able to see the rim at all. And that's, um, it's just really fun to watch on, uh, watch that. And I wish, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to when, um, one of those like Zach Lowe or, K- or KOC does an article that really just breaks down, like how much he's improved there and how much he is truly that anchor to that defense, you know, and like the, like him and Mikhail doing the, you know, pick and roll defense. It's, you know, that's a, that's a thing of beauty right there. Cause like, not to interrupt you, Paul, but I'm just, I'm listening to this and thinking about this conversation. And I, I, I think about Shaq's comment about Rudy Gobert. Did you guys see that? Mm -hmm. Something about it gives gives all kids hope because you can, you can score 10 points a game and make $200 million. Right. Well, he did. He got, he said 11, he said 11 level. Like Rudy Gobert is next level. He's the stifle tower. And I get it. His defense is superb because he's also ridiculously large. Like he, he's bigger than DeAndre substantially. I mean, mm-hmm. it's weird to say that, but it's true. If you look at him next to each other. So just size alone makes him such a difficult obstacle. Anytime you try to go towards the rim. So he has, he has an advantage, but the reason I'm bringing that up is like, if the whole idea about DeAndre Ayton changes, from this, you know, fascination with a guy who's going to just be dunking with authority left and right and scoring 40 points and getting 20 rebounds changes to being this guy is a defensive stalwart, then people will actually like embrace him for the guy he is. And he's still going to give you that offensive production. And that's what's so enticing. So I hope he continued. Like I said, it's all about mindset. You're the first one who brought this up, Paul, tonight. And you said it's a mindset defensively. And you're right about that. And so he needs to stay in that mindset because I think that is the road that leads to the best places, to the places we all want to go, to Larry O'Brien, to all that stuff, you know, down the road that, that we hope this team is able to get to. Well, and you, th- you think about the comment that D.A. Said, had after the game last night when I, I think he literally said, I don't care about offense, mm-hmm. which I'm sure somebody can sit there and go, well, that's a terrible thing to say, but not when you're having that mentality, as, as Paul said. I mean, I've, I, don't, I can't think of a player that I've watched who I see use verticality as effectively as he, did, as he does. And 
there was at least one example last night. It was either Monte Morris or, uh, or, or Jamal Murray had what looked like a pretty clear path to the basket off a drive. DA just steps in front of it and just goes straight up vertically. Doesn't, doesn't come down at all. The shot does, he doesn't block it, but the shot doesn't go in player of course goes tumbling to the ground. Like a sniper took him out, but the refs, who I'm loving right now, by the way. I, I have nothing but good things to say about the refs right now. You have Chris Paul to thank for that. Uh, hey, man, it's, it's perfect. I, I like to think that, you know, all the DMs I've sent to uh, at NBA official uh, finally got through to the right people. Uh, maybe they don't respond to me, but uh, but the but the but the constructive criticism, if you will, uh, got through. But he, he's he's so he's a smart player. He is a smart player and he plays within himself. And at the end of the day, if people are not going to like that, I really don't care because it's 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 giving results on the court. Again, whether or not that's shown in the box score, who cares? Because you know what, like like you said about book at the outset of this bloomer, what matters is what's in that win column, and that's all that really matters at the end of the day. And that's all that should matter to these guys, um, and and that's a mentality that starts from the top to the bottom, you know, uh, Monty obviously is instilled in these uh, James Jones. I won't, I won't say Robert Sarver just cause I, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that conversation from people and, and, and the, and the ridicule I'll get for giving Sarver credit for anything ever. But we all know I love Robert Sarver. Aside from that, from James Jones, putting the right pieces in place and the right players with the right mentalities to Monty Williams, making sure they're doing what they're just supposed to be doing on the court and doing their jobs regardless of whether that's again, Langston Galloway coming in and being a, being a spark plug off the bench or getting some points or DA wanting to focus more on defense than, than you getting stats that are going to impress people who might be casual observers. When they look at box scores, that's the mentality that a team needs to win because at the end of the day, it's a team game, right? It's a team game. And, and we're in a situation where we've got, Two, I'll say it, I'll say two bona fide superstars. I think it's indisputable. We have one. I absolutely think Devin Booker is a superstar. And we're not, we and we have other pieces around them. You know, we know that in this league now, you need at least a couple of guys who are going to be killers on your team, but then you have to put the right guys around them. And obviously we've done that. And another thing we haven't even mentioned just yet, but Paul, I think you had mentioned how. Memphis is going to probably fall out of this because they've lost John Morant for an extended period of time. The depth on this team too. I mean, like I said earlier, we've got guys who aren't playing to the expectations or the, the performances we've seen in the past yet you have guys stepping up and filling that void. And that's how we're winning games. And, and if that continues, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be tough to beat this team and it's going to be really tough come playoff time to, to take four out of seven from them. Yeah, I almost want to do the uh, simulate to the playoffs button. If we could hit that, uh, part of me wants to do that, but that, no, a big part of me. Enjoy the ride. Yeah, I want to watch this play out. I want to. I want to see every game uh, starting with tomorrow night against the Clippers, uh, and see these guys continue to build momentum, uh, to build chemistry, uh, to play as a team. Because, like you mentioned, that that's just so vital. Uh, you know, some teams can get away with with playing hero ball and and, because their heroes are that good. Uh, And in some cases this year, we'll see a little bit of that. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be at least it's not working for the warriors. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not right now. But you know what? I think Steph Curry's feeling probably a lot like Devin Booker has felt the last few years, uh, where, you know, he feels like when he goes out every game, he's got to just have the game of his life for them to compete. And, uh, you know, he just doesn't have the supporting cast that's going to, uh, you know, set him up to, to win most nights. And that uh, that's a difficult place to be. We all know what that feels like. And none of us is going to shed a tear for that franchise. They've had theirs. Uh, as far as, uh, as far as moment ours, in the sun, <laughs> as far as ours is concerned, uh, you know, look, I, I think there will be games where Devin Booker puts him on the, on his back and has those Devin Booker games. I expect it. And I think we all should. And I think we'll see a couple of those with Chris Paul and maybe we'll even see Mikel Bridges do it or Cam Johnson light a fire from deep and hit eight or nine threes in a game. We all believe that can happen. Why would you mm-hmm. doubt it? Having seen what we've seen so far. So that's why don't I forget I DA. What's that? Don't oh, yeah, forget DA. DA. No, DA is going to do a 30, 20. I mean, he's going to have one of those. I think he will. Um, and so that'll appease all the people that are stat heads that just want to see that. Uh, and then, you know, we'll continue to applaud him regardless based on his effort and his mindset. And, uh, that's what it's going to take. They all have to kind of embrace their roles. That's how you become a great team, not just having great players, uh, and a great coach, but you have players who are willing to accept the roles that are needed. Uh, and, uh, that this group seems to, to have kind of all settled or starting to settle into that. Now, Monty's still working out the rotations. Mm-hmm. It's early. He's had foul trouble with bigs. Dario coming back has changed things. So that's still a process, right? We're still going to see kind of how the rotations work on a regular basis. And so that's another thing to watch as uh, these next couple of weeks uh, come along. But uh, to see them go through the gauntlet of this last week, five, five games and seven nights, back-to-backs in Sacramento, at Utah and at Denver, what, what was called by Tim Bontemps, a guy who I really enjoy, uh, an ESPN NBA writer, said it was, I think, the hardest back-to-back in the NBA that the Suns just completed. Yep. And they won both games, and that's awesome. Uh, so build on that, and uh, let's see where this, how, how far this team can go. I kind of – it's weird. Now talking with you guys, I kind of feel like the way Chris Paul has been slow playing everything in his locker zooms with the media. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm seeing it in his face. Like, <laughs> he's, doing, he's, he's holding it back. Like, he's jacked at what he has. I really think that. Like, I think he's looking around going, we're good. Like, we yeah. are good, but I don't want to let on that I think we're good because I still want them to really work as hard as they're working right now, and I don't want anything to change that. And I love that about him. That's being a leader, isn't it? That's that's work, workmanlike approach to it, and I love it. And that absolutely is being a leader, knowing what you need to do and what you need to say to get the best out of the guys that you're leading. That's that's outstanding. You know, I'm going to make one more comment about DA because talk about his offense. Everyone complains about the midi, right? Everyone's like, oh, DA's got to stop taking the midi. I just want, I, I'd like you guys to just take a guess at what he's shooting percentage wise on his shots between 10 and 16 feet so far this season. Take a, take a guess. 46. That was going to go for like 48, 49. He is shooting 58.3% from wow. 10 to 16 feet this year. On he shot 39% last year. I did, I think like 20 something. Uh, here okay. we go. It is 20, 24. Oh, <laughs> nope. That's jump shots in general. Uh, only, only so far, only 12. 
I understand that's a small sample size, but it's seven of 12. that high is still, that's still high. Um, and he shot like 39% from that range last year. Um, even, even Booker this year shooting, I think like 53% from that range and he's taken 21 of them. So six games, you're not going to have guys taking a ton of them, but point being that that's there, that's going to stay. And he's getting really comfortable. I feel too, with that. He gets the ball in the low post, kind of close to the baseline, and 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 takes little that quick spin, turnaround. Yeah, spin he's, move, yeah, he's he's getting consistent with that. Love that um, one. And yeah. and it's all about you know playing to your strengths. If that's if that's a strength of his, and I believe it is, and I believe it will continue to be, play to it. And the other thing that people don't look at with Da, I don't think at least, or at least they don't look at it enough. And it's another thing that doesn't show up in a box score is the gravity that he has on on offense, and and what a pick and roll with Da opens up for not just the guy with the ball or him, but for other potential shooters. Um, it, it's there, there are so many aspects of this game, not just for him, for everyone that again, to the point of this is a team they're filling their roles and they're doing what they need to do to win. And I really think it's, it, it can only get better from here. Uh, and again, it's not, it's not feeling fluky. It's feeling real. The bubble, the bubble felt real to me. Maybe people felt the bubble was fluky too, because Teams weren't all playing all their guys all the time, what have you. Well, that wasn't really the case, except for like the last couple of games for the Suns in the bubble. So at the end of the day, oh man, I, I'm not kidding when I say this is the episode we've been wanting to do for four years. <laughs> now this is the season we've been wanting to do for four years. Let's just, let's just keep it rolling. And I want to have that one that one episode, which you alluded to earlier, Bloomer, with the Larry O'Brien comment, that one episode that I've wanted to do since I was born. Yeah, that's that's what I'm looking for now, man. That's what I'm looking for now. I'm with you. I'm definitely with you. Uh, And I'm glad that I was able to be with you tonight. Uh, Our one night sandwiched in between uh, three games and four nights here. Uh, You know, if it was my druthers, I'd talk sons every night. Uh, I think (laughs) I do, even though most nights I'm probably talking to myself. But that's fine. Uh, Tonight it's fanning the flames. And I love being with you guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, and let's do it again. Let's keep it. Uh, let's keep it optimistic and positive. Because right now it's easy. Not to a do problem. That. Yeah. yeah. Not not a problem. Not a problem. This part. I'm. And you know, I, I Bloom. I, I've had so far at least two games. Well, I guess there's only been two games, right? Yeah. Because only home games this year. The post game. Where that's I was it. like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call in. I'm gonna call in. I'm walking my dog. That's my, that's my new post game ritual. I, I walk my dog because apparently it works. You know, I did yeah. it after, after their third, their third game when they won that one. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna keep doing this. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call in. But those two games, I might have, I might have had a little. Uh, a little uh, a little fun during the game, and I'm like, we might be a little too jacked for the oh, radio you right now. If you know what I'm saying you were overserved. Yeah, that's, that's okay. It happens. <laughs> it's part of the job. He's oh, overserved man. by his own liquor cabinet. I know <laughs> it's weird when that happens. It's really <laughs> weird. So, but no, Bloom, we appreciate you coming on, man. We really do, especially like you said you had back to back New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Uh, you had a game uh, last night. Oh, that was New Year's Day, and you got a game tomorrow. That's four four nights, three games, and one podcast appearance. Let's go. God, God bless your wife and children. I'll take about friends. the same amount of time. but yeah man we appreciate it you're welcome on this whenever you want whenever you want and uh uh 
Uh, maybe maybe someday we'll even take Paul on a golf course. Although I'm, I'm I, I will now now that I'm now now that I'm loosened up and I'm excited and and, and yappy, I'm going to say I, I I advise against it. But just let me I try. Advise, I'll just I'm try. not advising against my own game right now <laughs> too. Cart. But uh, that's a whole different story. You could drive the um, car, Paul. You could definitely drive the car. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll hit a couple twisted tees. There we go. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Amen. All right. Well, we'll. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap up. You know, one thing I want to, I, I want to give you the opportunity if you want to, if you don't feel free. I, we know that we got the news about Paul Westfall passing today. And oh, uh, yeah, that, that's something that, that yeah. sucks. I mean, it sucks yeah. hugely. Um, I, I, I think all the time about that speech he gave before the, after game two of the, the Lakers series back in 92, 93, and that's 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 a memory as a Suns fan that is ingrained in my 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 brain always will be. I I was Paul and I were talking earlier. We're probably going to throw a cold open at the front of this podcast to, to to play that and to to talk about his passing. I don't know if you have any fun stories about him or any thoughts about him that you want to throw out there, man. If you do, by all means, please do. I know I'm putting you right on the spot and changing the complete tone of this podcast, but it feels, it feels necessary and appropriate to at least bring it up. So, no, I'm glad you did because, uh, you know, tomorrow night I'll be, uh, doing my regular role in the post game show. And I'm sure Al will spend some time, uh, with Tim talking about, uh, Paul on the pregame show. Uh, and, uh, you know, there can't be enough dedication to that man when it comes to planet orange, as far as I'm concerned, because he's as meaningful to the sun's past as any single individual. Uh, that's lofty to say that. I don't think I've ever said that until just now, but thinking about his role as a player back in the seventies, as a coach with the team taken into the finals, as a man in the community who stayed around, it was always visible and, uh, great to talk to great to be uh, the fly on the wall that I was in a few rooms where he was sharing stories uh, and just listening to him. And then to have a moment like he had that all Suns fans who lived through it will never, ever forget in a press conference, no less, where there's not many press conferences that really stand out in mm -hmm. the history of franchises, right? I mean, you can probably put them on one hand. Uh, we're not going to go through all of them. We happen to have a couple that live here in the Valley. Uh, one coaches ASU's football team. But uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, the one for me that really stands out is Westy. And you dedicating that and playing it, I think, is such a class that it deserves. Uh, because, you know, if you were around then and you heard him say with confidence that uh, we're all going to remember and talk about how, what a great series it was. I mean, it's almost verbatim, right, that, that he just proclaimed that forever Suns fans would talk about what a great series it was and what a great comeback it was and how they closed the deal. And, and they did it. And, you know, that's what makes it legendary uh so that that's great that we'll all have that to to rehash our memories of westy but there's so much more to him mm -hmm. and so what i would say to young people who are just kind of joining fanning the flames and planet orange and this whole crazy fan base we're a part of is uh go check out some video of him as a player that dude was a baller uh and watch some more of his speeches because he was damn good at that too and uh and and it's available that's the beauty of the internet you can find that stuff uh and it's worth your time as a, as a fan of this 
uh, basketball team, no question about it. And I'm glad you gave me an opportunity, Justin. I really am because I don't know how much of a chance I'll have to share my thoughts, but uh, I feel for his family uh, and I feel for everybody who got to know him and got close with him. I have a lot of friends who were golf partners with him and loved playing golf with him. And he was a huge fan of the game, that game as well as you and I are too. So uh, another layer to, to Paul Westfall. That's awesome. And I, and, and thank, thank you for that. I mean, that was well said, of course. Um, and, you know, speaking of him as a, as a baller, you know, I, I was watching, I don't even know what game I had it on the background. I was doing some work earlier today, but um, one of the announcers said that he was one, one of two players in NBA history. I think it was to average more than 20 points and shoot better than 50% from the field for, I think it was four or five straight seasons. And I believe, like I said, it was, in the background, but I believe the other one they said was Jordan. Um, so yeah, he was, he was a phenomenal player. Great coach. I mean, part of the only two trips to the finals, the sons have had, right. As a player. Mm -hmm. And then as a coach, uh, and you know, when I was going back and looking for that clip and, and hearing that clip again, one of the things that I totally forgot about that I thought made this even better was he wasn't even asked a question about it. He, somebody asked about the game and he goes, and I know what's next. The next question is, are we, are we done? And he went right into that. And I was just like, that's a man right there who knows his team, knows how much confidence he has in his team and knows that he's going to instill more confidence in that team through doing that. Um, and that would, that's what made him a great coach. And I mean, he coached forever too. coach at Grand Canyon, coach at Pepperdine, um, mm -hmm. other coach, other NBA teams. So yeah. Um, rest in peace, Paul Westphal, man. That's, it was, it was a total bummer to see that this morning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Uh, and, you know, I had heard that uh, in the last uh, week or two uh, that it had been very difficult. Um, and so in some ways, I guess I, I'm glad that he didn't have to battle or struggle yeah. or suffer any more than he already did. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Paul, do you have, you have any thoughts, anything you want to add here at the end, whether it's that or anything else? And we'll, we'll wrap up, let Bloomer actually uh, yeah, hang, gonna, out, hang out, hang out with the family. I'll listen to your comments, Paul, off the air. They're going to be brief. Gonna be He's always wanting to say that to somebody else. I love it. I love it. <laughs> See you guys. All right, Bloomer. Thanks, man. Later, man. Same to you, brother. I, I can't really speak too much to Paul Westfall. I moved to the Valley and became a Suns fan kind of after after his time. So I really only know him through guys like you, Justin, who were around and saw those, uh, those years. I moved, I moved to the Valley shortly after that finals run. So I did get to see some games early on, but I wasn't into basketball really until the net really into it until the Nash years. But I mean, I feel for his family, you know, cancer sucks. Um, it's, and you know, he, he went out with, uh, grace and, you know, you know, he, uh, everything I hear about the guy, you know, he was, uh, um, I'd really a great guy. I, I know, and, I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. And, you know, the thing I was kind of taking down some notes to talk about him and the impact he had on the basketball world is obvious, right? I mean, he's in the, uh, basketball hall of fame. He's yep. in the son's ring of honor coached multiple teams around the league, played for multiple teams around the league, coached in college ranks. So that impact is obviously there, but by all accounts, everything I've heard is that the impact he had on 
the game pales in comparison to the impact that he had on people because of what a great person he was. And I, I, the, the closest I ever got to knowing or meeting Paul Wessel was going to his basketball camp when I was a kid. Um, I'm sure I, I'm sure I interacted with him some way back then. I, I don't recall it, but uh, I was a youngster, but uh, yeah, uh, the, the, the world lost a legend, the basketball lost a legend, the world lost a great person. So rest in peace, Paul, uh, Westy. Thanks for, thanks for everything you've done for the organization and the game as a whole. Uh, and on, on that note, we'll uh, wrap up this episode of Fan in the Flames again, even though Bloomer ducked out. Thank you, John Bloom, for joining us. Always a pleasure to have him on. Paul, always a pleasure talking basketball with you, man. And uh, I can't wait to continue to be the podcast of realism as opposed to optimism because the <laughs> suns true. are good now. Yes. The suns are good. So until next time, we appreciate all of you guys out there listening. And depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Let's beat those clippers. Just wanna hear you say.